Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like your mom's home cooking, just like you remember it, and still just as good. Today I wanted to talk about repression versus positivity. This one, I went on a pretty passionate rant, and I feel really good about it. I got a lot off my chest about my life, my divorce, my, um, my time in Philly, the culture in Philly, how that's affected me, how I've grown up, and how I've learned to set boundaries for myself, given myself the chance to sort of build boundaries and a cocoon around myself so that I could allow myself to live and grow. But also, you know, the, the idea of repression specifically being something that has caused a lot of issues for a lot of people and how to kind of prompt yourself to ask yourself the honest questions and, and how to be real with yourself so that you can get to a place of stability so that you can build positivity on top of you know, good things that are going on in your life instead of covering the bad. So um, I think this is a really good episode. I feel really good about what came out of it. And I hope you'll enjoy it as well. Hit me up at Rival My Design and um, or send me a call in on Anchor. That'll be great. Without further ado, repression versus positivity. Drums, all right so welcome to the show today i wanted to talk about this topic that uh kind of came to mind the other day um and, and something i've been thinking about throughout the course of the show about the podcast something i've noticed in, um kind of a commonality between all of the topics that i've been talking about is uh, this idea of repression but also this idea of um of, of people sort of spitballing the notion of positivity. Like you should always be optimistic. You should always feel good. You should always, you know, push forward. And um, like, where, where is the nuance there? So really this topic is like repression versus positivity. And I want to kind of put a disclaimer at the top that I don't have an answer. I'm just going to kind of talk through it and see if, if we can maybe share some ideas on this. Really my main thought on this is that repression tends to lead to some sort of negative um, feeling about yourself. Even if you are um, feeling positive, you're not addressing the situation at hand. So if you're dealing with grief or you're dealing with mental health issues or you're dealing with family sort of bearing down on you, uh, repression would be ignoring it, essentially. A repression would be you know, just continuing with your life and not addressing the issues uh, or pretending that everything's great when it isn't. And, um, you know, it's not that you can't be positive and you can't have an optimistic outlook on how you should be as a result of that, of, of what everything that's going on, but we can't just sweep things under the rug and expect everything to be okay because it piles up and it will catch up to you. It really depends on the situation. And that's the tricky part is that, this is situational. Not every situation is the same. Um, some people are dealing with family grief. Some people are dealing with losing a job. Some people are dealing with mental health issues or a divorce. You know, many, many different things going on. And um, truth of the matter is that maybe for fight or flight reasons, you have to kind of push it under the rug in order to make a major change in life. You know, for example, for me, when I went through my divorce, I had to move out of the house and, um, 
figure out the next steps in life. I figured that I couldn't afford to stay in San Diego, even if I did have a job and mentally it wasn't going to work for me also because I didn't have any real support while I was there. So I had to kind of work through some stuff, but at the same time, push a lot of things aside in order to logically work through all of the plans and such that I had to make because I was moving across the country. I had to move things out of the house. I had to move things into storage. I had to um, uh, navigate quitting my job. And I was also working through a very, very major conference where I was producing videos that were going to play in the conference. And um, I was the basically the sole responsible person for that. Um, so there was a lot going on there. Uh, and I had to make sure I was taking care of myself, feeding myself, working through some of my problems and, um, you know, effectively planning. I had to ship some of my stuff via Greyhound. So I had to plan that stuff. I had to plan how to get myself across the country. Yeah. Uh, plan out the budget for for gas and hotels and then actually book the hotels and work out a route that I was going to take and uh, how often I was going to stop and things like that. Um, so there was a lot of logistics that I had to work through, which meant that I definitely had to repress things a lot more than I probably wanted to. And by the time I got here to the East coast, uh, once everything kind of slowed down, it just kind of hit me. Everything hit me at once where it was just, ah, okay. Now I have to face this. Now I have to face my emotions. I have to face my guilt. I have to face, um, my insecurities. I have to face, uh, this sort of new life that I'm starting to pay for myself where there is a lot less security. There is going to be a lot of hustle involved because I want to build my own life in terms of business. And I have to work through my mental health issues with cyclothymia and then dealing with the post-divorce issues of, of feeling guilt and working through that um, because guilt is a real thing when it comes to divorce, whether or not you left for the reasons that are actually good for you. And I definitely feel like I left for reasons that were good for me, but it's hard because, you know, everyone around you is kind of giving you their judgments. Everyone who hasn't experienced that before is kind of looking down at you and saying like, why aren't you pushing through and making it work the fuck? And you know, it's not their place to say that first of all. So I had to work through that. That was kind of the, one of the first things I had to really um, become attuned to is setting boundaries because I wasn't, I was so just like mushy <laughs> in terms of vulnerability. I was just, I, if anybody touched me, I was going to collapse both physically and mentally. I wasn't prepared to handle people. I wasn't prepared to handle anyone's judgments because I had made all of my decisions. I wasn't ready for someone to come and sit with me and say, and, and try to convince me as to why I made a bad decision or why I should have tried harder or why I should have done this or that. It's I wasn't in that place. I was in a place of, I needed to protect myself I needed to create this sort of cocoon around myself so that I can be protected and allow myself to grieve and mourn the situation and grow because there's a lot of things that I had to, that I've had to unlearn about years of a relationship that, you know, you get, you get in tune with certain behaviors or certain ways of thinking. Um, 
especially when you're in some a sort of situation where you're kind of walking on eggshells and you're worried about the things that you're going to say being misconstrued, things like that. Um, so you have to take some time to really like be supported and, and, and allow, and I had to allow myself to give myself room to grow. And that meant setting boundaries in so many ways that has been, that has been the, the, the most important aspect of my growth and sorry for the, <laughs> I don't have a pop filter. I've got to put that on. Uh, I got it in a box somewhere, or I think it's down in Philly, but either way, I don't have one. So I got to step away a little bit. <laughs> um, essentially, I needed to create this sort of safe space for myself to allow myself to, to, to finally feel my feelings and um, work through the logic that I was spiraling in and out of in terms of my my guilt and grief and, and dealing with the realities of what's coming. So one of the things that, and, and, you know, that's the metaphor, but the realities of it were when I was confronting friends or uh, family members, anybody who was like coming to me and asking me these questions about, um, you know, about my child and my grief and, uh, why I left and their assumption as to why I left or their assumption as to like what I should have done. I had to tell people flat out that I understand you're trying to help and you want to give advice, but right now that is not what I need. I just want someone to listen. I just need you guys to be there for me. I already made a decision. I'm not telling you, I'm not have, I don't want you to try to convince me to do something else or fall in line in a way that you wanted to, or that you would want to, you know, I think it's easy for people to go into a, to get into a place of like telling you what they would have done or what they should have done or something. I don't know um, that if I was this in this scenario, I would have tried harder. I would have done this or you need to fight for that baby or you need to fight for this or you need to try to make this work. And I'm like, you don't know all of the nuances. You need to trust me when I tell you that this is what this is. Um, and so to kind of circle everything back to the idea of repression is like the, Repression would have been just taking what they're telling me and not handling it and not working through it. If I was not setting boundaries, that would have been allowing myself to repress my feelings and not be outward. Uh, I kind of grew up in a situation. So growing up in Philly, for anyone who's not familiar with Philly culture, Philadelphia is very blue collar. They're very like push through, um, you know, work hard, sacrifice yourself and, um, you know, uh, everything's stupid. <laughs> like, <clears throat> you know, there's not a lot of room for quote unquote foo-foo things. There's, you know, there's just, there's reality. It's a very S type city, <laughs> I guess you could say, if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, um, you know, they're very much concerned with the now. And um, <clears throat> if you're not falling in line, it's a problem for a lot of people that that is a big commonality with Philadelphia. That is a big reason I left because I'm not a person that will fall in line, but that city, or at least the people I've experienced in that city are types that are very, very concerned with people falling in line. If you do not follow the rules or the understood or unwritten laws, you, they will give you a problem. Somebody will come at you and say something about it and it'll be a big deal. And that's the part of the culture that I don't appreciate. <laughs> And has been a problem for me growing up because it's allowed me, it hasn't allowed me to properly express my feelings and 
it's a place that harbored a lot of um, negative perceptions of things that need a little bit more nuance and understanding. If, if there were some of my friends listening to this from Philly who I grew up with, you know, they may not understand or have patience for the nuances of the mental health discussion. And that's not everyone, but some people, um, uh, and, and may not even now, but when I was younger, more so, they may not have had the patience to listen to me. So it was harder for me to feel like I could be honest in a way that I felt people genuinely cared. I would say things um, and help people, but as I get older, I understand that, you know, people can't help but filter experiences through their own lens. So when I tell them about what's going on, they relate that to their understanding of something. So if I tell them about a behavior that I was experiencing in my marriage, they'll say something reductive, typically, like, oh, she's just being a girl. And that's not how it was. Um, and it's not necessarily her fault either, by the way. But it's, it's, um, it's a failure to really hear what I'm saying. And I needed to be clear about how that made me feel. And that was a big change for me coming back to the East Coast after being away for seven years and now having the opportunity to reconnect with some people and have more conversations with them. Because even when I was on the other side of the country, I wasn't talking to a lot of people very regularly. And being separated from that culture, getting some time to kind of, kind of analyze it from the outside in and then going into it again, um, I came with – I came – to it with a maturity and sense of, I guess, I don't want to call it defensiveness because it wasn't, it's not a, um, it's not an aggressive defensiveness, like a passive aggressive or anything, but it's, it's a true defense or true boundary for my psyche, for my mentality and letting people know that I don't want you to necessarily pander to my emotions, but I don't want you to tell me how to be. That's, the long and short of it. So being able to practice putting all of my feelings and emotions out there and being okay with the positive indifference of someone maybe not liking what I have to say, but being okay with it because it's out there is important. Understanding that I need to get myself uh, into a place where I can just be, be comfortable speaking about who I am and how I feel has been a big major part about my growth in the past year. And um, I feel like a much better person as a result of that. Now, so when I speak of repression versus positivity, it, it's really that. It's, it's understanding that you need to first get to a baseline place of setting your boundaries, whether it comes to clients, whether it comes to friends and family, or whatever your situation may be. I have another set of boundaries that I need to set is the fact that I'm an introvert and I'm a person that doesn't like being surprised by human interaction. <laughs> if somebody knocked on my door right now, I'd freak out. If somebody called me right now, I would not answer it. That's just not how I roll in terms of social things. And I think it's a control thing. I think I don't like being controlled or having my time dictated. I was always this person that, um, I never really liked the idea of someone putting a stock in my time or dictating my time. You know, I've always liked being able to enjoy my time and waste time and have a good time and have fun and play with friends or, 
you know, make music, something that might seem like a waste of time to other people. But to me, it's something that I enjoyed. But if somebody were to call me and try to like cold call me or um, try to, you know, trick me into something, I would be really upset. Or if I made it, somebody made an appointment somewhere and they decided not to show and but didn't give me a heads up, I'd be really upset about that Um, because I don't like my time being wasted but I do like wasting time. And the difference is that I'm controlling my time versus somebody else controlling my time. And, um, you know, being open about that sense of control is, I guess is kind of important for me to, to be aware of. Um, so when I'm talking to clients, I'll do it through email, which is when I can control, when I can respond. When I talk to a new client, I kind of give them an idea of like what my schedule is that I, I typically only work like four to six hours a day in terms of like sitting in front of my computer, um, and I'm not available during these hours. If you want to talk, we need to schedule it, things like that. Um, because I don't want to be blindsided. I don't want people dictating things and I just don't want to be controlled. And I don't, you know, that's important to me. And I think some people are okay with that, but I'm not. And understanding that these values are important to me and that these things are things that are, are things that I need to control. And it doesn't matter whether or not someone else you know, agrees with it or feels that it works for them doesn't matter. It's about me. This is my life. This is, I need to take control of it and I need to be honest with myself. So that's, that's a, another key component of repression is being honest with yourself. And, um, sometimes that takes a prompt, you know, sometimes that takes an external sort of, uh, a thought to, to evoke, which is kind of why I do this podcast really is so that, I'm sharing my thoughts and perspective so that maybe it can prompt something in you to, to take away from it or to explore. Uh, I'm not trying to give you the answers per se. There are some situations where I can explain what's worked for me, but um, you know, maybe it's something that what I say will guide you into thinking something. And really it's about finding a way to be honest with yourself and using things as prompts to do so. So like, you know, um, uh, a friend of mine, Colleen, whose podcast is uh, showing up this Wednesday, actually, will um, she, we talk about alternative discovery, which is about um, using tarot cards as a means to sort of evoke your own emotions to kind of prompt your brain into like, okay, here's a specific topic today, like death. Where is your brain at? in terms of this topic, what does it make you think of? And what is the first thing that comes to mind? Um, and, and that's, that's part of it is like allowing yourself to, to, to filter through or not filter rather. What is your first thought when you think about something? What is your honest, true thought? You don't necessarily have to like take that thought for, you know, verbatim and spit it out into the world, but take that first thought and analyze it. Look at it. Okay. What does this mean? If I feel this way, why, what, what is, what does that mean to me? What is it doing to my psyche? How does it fit into my current narrative? How does my life, how has my life changed as a result of this? And I apologize if you can hear the vacuum, but that's, you know, whatever, this is life. <laughs> this happens. Um, but using something to prompt you, you know, whether it's listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube video or reading a book or talking to a friend or, um, you know, someone you can trust, but maybe someone who will challenge you too. you know, not necessarily reading stuff that will be, 
something that will be too comfortable. You know, you might have to speak to someone who is willing to, um, to, to throw a different idea at you, but that doesn't mean you have to accept that idea, but it doesn't mean you have to shit on it either. It's just a means to poke at you a little bit, you know, poke at yourself and see, see what you get out of you. And, uh, you know, really that deep dive, that, that exploration of making sure that you don't fall into this path of repression where you're holding your feelings back and you're not being honest with yourself. You're not being honest with others. And you're just kind of living in this scared state of fear, um, isn't going to help you find true positivity. And, you know, the aspect of positivity is that once you can be honest with yourself, then you can start to work on adding positive layers to it. Because if you add positive layers to repression, you're just covering things up. You're covering up the bad. Whereas with positivity, you basically want to boost the good things, right? So instead of trying to boost bad things into good things, you want to work through and eliminate the bad things, or at least find a way to more regularly treat the bad things so that you can really elevate your most positive self as opposed to trying to feign positivity. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want to fake being positive. We want to naturally be optimistic. You know, we want to naturally be a little bit more happy in our lives. We want to naturally feel like we're in a good place. And it's not always going to be the case. You know, happiness is not an end state. Have, you don't reach happiness and say, I'm done. This is it. No more. I will never feel sad again. <laughs> uh, that's why it's important to work through your repression and know that when you start to slip into that state again, you'll know how to deal with it instead of just covering it up. Does that make sense? I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's good to be positive, but make sure it's coming from a place where you're ready to be positive, where you're ready to look forward. You're ready to be optimistic. You feel like things are on a right track. And if you feel like they aren't, it's okay to say that they aren't. It's okay to say that something isn't going the way you want it to. It's okay to say that things need to improve. And it's not only okay, I think it's necessary. I think it's absolutely ideal that we are 100% confident and comfortable with ourselves that we can just say when things are going wrong. And that way we can look at the pieces and find out how to put it all together. And then when things are together, you can start doing positive, good things. You know, it's an ever evergreen idea that we need to keep evaluating ourselves and adjusting to the, to what life throws at us. Cause again, happiness is not an absolute sadness is not an absolute difficulty in life is not an absolute. We can work through things and learn from them. You know, many of us have had difficult childhoods. We've had issues with divorce. We've had issues with jobs. I've dealt with all of those things, which is also why I do this podcast. Cause I've dealt with a lot of shit but I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still breathing and I'm still able to move forward. And that's largely because I've now been able to see that I need to work through things and not just pretend they aren't there anymore. So, okay. Ooh, that felt good. <laughs> that was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but, um, 
yeah, this was this was good. Uh, I hope you learned something from it. And if you have any thoughts, I would I would really love if you could leave a review wherever you're listening to this, um, or hit me up at Rival My Design on all social channels, Dopamine Podcast on Instagram, Dopamine Show on Twitter, and uh, we're on Facebook.com/slash Dopamine Podcast as well. So um, yeah, that's it. Go 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 figure out what's going on with yourself. Go, go do something, go watch a show, not something that's going to distract you, but something that might evoke something in you so that you can really figure out what's going on. Go call your mom. I don't know. Talk to her for a while. Maybe she'll be able to ask questions. Go find that friend that is always going to be giving you the blunt answers because we need some of those people in our lives. There's a reason they exist. So go, go, go on and conquer and conquer things. Enjoy life. Go get it. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend. Oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe, yeah. Ooh, ooh, purple flowers, candy showers in the air. You dance for hours as I watch from overhead. It's on my team, you got me going off your dopamine. Yeah, it's on my team, you got me going off your dopamine.